Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. During Advent, we acknowledge a certain tension in our lives and in our, and in our hearts. And it's the tension of the already and the not yet. Last week, Jacob spoke to us about how Jesus' incarnation was the inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven into the world. And yet, we still see a world broken by sin and death around us. Jesus has already come and done his work in our world. And Jesus is yet to come and finish his work in our world. Both of these things are true at the same time. Sometimes it's easier for us to hold on to the already because it's what we see every day around us. But our Old Testament reading today weaves a beautiful tapestry of what the not yet will look like once it comes. Wolf and lamb will live together. Leopard and goat will lie down together. A little child will lead a parade of calf, young bull, and lion. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. And the little baby will play with poisonous snakes. At first glance, this seems really idyllic. I sort of get this hallmark card picture of all these cute little baby animals frolicking together in a meadow. But it's the last little bit, the part about babies and snakes, that snaps me out of it. I can handle a lot of things. I cannot handle snakes. Even like when you're at the zoo and they're kind of behind the glass and you're like six feet back, I can't deal. And so then when you start talking about little babies playing with snakes, I just, yeah, I, I can't deal with it. But that, that's really important because it wakes me up to the seriousness of what the prophet is saying here. This isn't cute. This is real. These are creatures that stay alive by feeding on one another. If we stumbled across this scene today, we would rush in to rescue the prey from the predators. But when the not yet comes, that won't be necessary anymore. This is a picture of reconciliation. There will no longer be any need, drive, or desire to hurt or destroy one another. But that doesn't simply happen because we want it to. Real change has to happen for creatures like these to live in harmony with each other. And this passage gives us a hint of what that change will be. In the not yet, we will all have knowledge of God, and that knowledge will pervade everything about our society and creation, and will reconcile us to each other and to God himself. This is what we wait for in Advent. And our world today desperately needs this kind of reconciliation. We know that Jesus has come to forgive our sins, and yet we still see so much brokenness around us. In many families, the six-week stretch from Thanksgiving to New Year's can be really difficult. 
We are coming together to celebrate gratitude, peace, joy, and new beginnings. And frequently, our dinner conversations are strained. Old hurts resurface. We get together, convincing ourselves that this time we'll respond differently when that particular relative gets under our skin. But then we find ourselves falling into old patterns of relating, whether that's withdrawing or blowing up or simply being snide. We might not be quite mortal enemies, but the wounds we give each other go deep and take a long time to heal. We need reconciliation, and that reconciliation doesn't simply happen because we cook the perfect Thanksgiving dinner or host the perfect Christmas party. Something real has to change. But just in case your family holidays are relatively uneventful, let me paint a broader picture of the reconciliation that we need. Pew Research did a survey of 13 countries with advanced economies coming out of the pandemic. In 12 of these countries, people felt that their society was more divided after the pandemic than before. And in the United States, it was the worst, with 88% of respondents saying that our country was more divided post-COVID. But honestly, we don't need numbers like that to tell us this. We only have to read the news headlines. As the political right moves more right and the political left moves more left, bipartisan compromise on behalf of the average citizen seems like a pipe dream. And this kind of division trickles down into families and friendships. We used to often have an idyllic picture of an American dream that produces a melting pot of different cultures and races and ethnicities. But the pandemic laid bare how socioeconomic differences are often directly related to racial and ethnic differences. For most people in the United States, the darker your skin color, the harder life is. And we're desperately in need of the type of reconciliation that Isaiah is talking about. And there is no easy road to get there because these types of divisions don't just heal themselves. So what happens now? What happens before the not yet gets here? Before we see the reality of a reconciled society in front of us? This is where our gospel reading comes in. John the Baptist is called to prepare the way of the Lord. Essentially, his job as a prophet was to get people ready for Jesus. And his call in that was repent and be baptized. And so the people came to him and confessed their sins and were baptized in the Jordan River. And it is through that confession and repentance that their hearts were prepared for Jesus' earthly ministry. And it is through our own confession and repentance that our hearts are prepared for the not yet, for the reconciliation with those who have hurt us and those whom we have hurt. Confession is key for preparing our hearts for God's reconciliation, because the act of naming our sin 
either to God or to another person, that act of admitting that we are wrong softens the hardness of our hearts and opens us to Jesus' forgiveness and mercy. When sin and wrong deeds come into God's light, their power over us ends, and we are free to receive forgiveness and turn away from evil to good. And repentance follows confession. Once we know that we have sinned, God calls us to turn from our sin and follow him. And now we all know that that doesn't mean that we're never going to sin again. But it does mean that Jesus is working in and through us to spread his love and grace into the world. He is the source of anything that is good in us. And he forgives us, loves us, and keeps us close to him in and through our confession and repentance. It is his life, death, and resurrection that makes this possible. This gives him the power to forgive our sins and heal our hearts. Something real has changed. This idea of confession and repentance was the basis of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission led by Archbishop Desmond Tutu in post-apartheid South Africa. After the apartheid government fell in South Africa, there had to be some sort of justice for the victims of oppression in order for them to find healing in their society. And rather than a punitive justice, they opted for a commission that would hold hearings where the victims would tell their stories and the perpetrators would confess their wrongdoing. And then the commission would grant reparations to the victims and, if appropriate, amnesty for the perpetrators. It became a sort of confession and repentance for their society. And Archbishop Tutu said this about the process of reconciliation. However painful the experience, the wounds of the past must not be allowed to fester. They must be opened. They must be cleansed. And balm must be poured on them so that they can heal. There is another kind of justice, a restorative justice, which is concerned not so much with punishment as with correcting imbalances, restoring broken relationships, with healing, harmony, and reconciliation. Tutu knew that this would be controversial and hard for some of the victims to accept who justifiably expected a more retributive sort of justice. But it was his Anglican faith that helped him hold fast to a model of confession and repentance in the hearings. The justice that resulted was imperfect, for sure, but the process of truth-telling that the commission followed did allow for South Africa to begin to move out of the apartheid era and to find a measure of reconciliation. In all of this, we see an imperfect picture of the already and the not yet. In the already, we have a broken world in desperate need of reconciliation, but a world where because of Jesus' death, death and resurrection, we can confess and repent, and we can see our hearts being prepared for his second coming by these acts of reconciliation. 
Every one of us here today is both sinned against and sinner. We all need the reconciliation that comes from confession and repentance. And we see this in the here and now. We also see a glimpse of the not yet. We see that Jesus' purpose in returning to our world is finally to reconcile us to each other and to God, to create a new world in which we will see people live in peace. Family members will sit and eat peacefully. Victim and oppressor will live together. Mortal enemies will lie down together. This is not easy or light. This is not something that happens simply because we want it to. It happens because Jesus, through his death and resurrection, holds the power to forgive our sin and heal our wounds. Because of him, they will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.